Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hi there, it's Gina Gardner here and it's one of our genuine chats and I'm joined by my good friend Rachel Davidson. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about brinkmanship. Mm about how when people give an ultimatum, do this or I'll go away, or do this or um, I won't love you anymore, mm. and whether that is a really uh, constructive way of being. Mm-hmm. I want to explore, um, firstly, what do we mean by brinkmanship? What do we mean by you know, creating an ultimatum? Because there are times, for example, you know, setting boundaries, setting mm. your children, tidy your bedroom or you go to bed early uh-huh. that's an ultimatum yes but it seems to have you know, be constructive and sensible and that you're trying to teach your child to have responsibility so so i think if you are sitting on the outside of somebody yeah. and seeing them do an ultimatum um, you know, a, a strong statement of this will happen and if it doesn't then yes. dot 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 then I, I think, generally speaking, most people would say, oh, that's a strong way of being. Yes. And they would think of it in that sort of positive yes. stance. I think when you're, being, you're the person that that ultimatum is being directed, directed to, it generally speaking, doesn't feel so great. But as ever with our conversations, Gina, the devil is in the detail here. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Politically, we are at a time, and I don't want us to get into a political debate because this no, is a, a genuine conversation that will take <laughs> several days. Um, where you have um, countries or um, governments or individuals within a government who are saying, if you don't do something, then we will take a certain line of action. Mm. So, whether it is if you don't withdraw, um, your troops, we will attack you, oh. or whether it's, um, you know, if we can't come up with a deal, we are going to leave uh, the European Union. We've got lots of ultimations going on with Iran at the moment, haven't we? Um, and sort of, you know, the military strength. And I do think that, that international politics can often deal with just these kind of, you know, strong statements that uh, threaten awful consequences of the back of it. And, and I wonder how much that sort of you know, visibility of, if it's going on at international politics level, trickles down into our personal lives. consciousness. And we, we begin to act like that in our personal lives. Well, I suspect that it's always been part of what goes on. Yeah. And I think you know, the, the part that I think would be interesting to explore is you know, when people say, if you don't do as I ask you, it demonstrates you don't love me. Yes. If you love me, you would um, go and get me a drink. If you loved me, um, you wouldn't go on holiday on your own. If you loved me, you wouldn't do whatever. Mm. Um, and I think that can be really 
destructive oh. in terms of a relationship. I'm reminded of, you know, if I think about clients, you know, what do you do when people say, if you leave me, I'll kill myself? <laughs> That's a tough one. That, that is the ultimate ultimatum. <laughs> it is, but it's one that I've heard has been used mm. a lot by certain people. Mm. Now, then I think what happens is that the relationship begins to change and people don't stay because it's right thing for them to do. Mm. They stay because they're fearful of the feelings of guilt that they would feel get yes um if that person follows through their ultimatum yes but you know that's an extreme case but there are, are relationships where it's happening on a micro level yes the whole time often not verbalized but in terms of the the communication through body language um through action um that people recognize in order to keep stasis to keep the equilibrium mm -hmm. i have to behave in a certain way even though it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel um in line with my own values mm -hmm. i've got to do it in order to keep the other person happy so interesting with regard to those clients then without you know any confidence yeah. what, what you actually said to somebody who's saying my partner is basically threatening to kill themselves if i leave but i'm so unhappy in this relationship or whatever what, what how, how you advise them? Did they go ahead and leave the, those people or are they still with them? Um, they left that person, but not immediately. No. And I think that part of the work that we did was to um, give them some tools to, uh, to work with their partner, mm. but also that they um, reached out for external help for that person mm. um, who could then support them mm. through because is it a genuine suicide dress well that's the that's the challenge isn't yeah. it because how do you yeah. know yeah whether it's genuine or whether it's possible it's an ultimatum yeah um and when you're talking about something that's so extreme as that then you know, you inevitably take a risk that if you do withdraw, that they will take action. Mm. But ultimately, if they are an adult, mm. that is their their responsibility. Mm. You, you cannot, I don't believe, take absolute responsibility for somebody else's life. Mm. We're not talking about children here or people who oh, don't, no, no. you know, who, adults. We're talking yeah. about adults. I think it's a cry for help, mm. but in certain cases, and certainly in this one, I think it was a power battle because you know, there was a history of um, of the ultimatums were smaller, and then they got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes, as the the, uh, the client um, started to put in place boundaries expectations yes that the other person didn't want to engage and, in. and that's what it is it's a power struggle isn't it it is absolutely you know, the example struggle. you've given reminds me of a story um that i was told i didn't hear it direct um from uh, ross heaven who uh, was one of the leading rights in shamelessm um, and he had a client who came to one of his uh, yep. weekly, uh i was going to say workshops but that that's the wrong word for what he did 
but anyway, um, gal rooms, intensive courses. Yes. And um, and this 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 chap had declared that he had tried to kill himself a, no, a number of times. You know, like five. And it was such a such a brilliant response that Ross did, and very very dangerous. Most people, when when he, you hear, they hear what Ross said, would be like, oh, because what he said to this bloke is, I'm not very good at it then. Well, um, what can we do to make you better at your goal? Which <laughs> is exactly the same response totally I heard with enough. Tony Robbins when he was working with the young person right. in exactly the same right. way. Yeah. Um, in, you know, if somebody's tried to commit suicide you know, six or seven times, mm. there's something very different going on. Yeah, because the ultimatum is being given. I just stop and say we are not encouraging people to take no. their own lives <laughs> at all. Take control of them. Yes, <laughs> not in that way. So, okay. so it's like an ultimatum, isn't it? I will kill myself. Yes. Yeah. And, and lots of reasons why, and lots of, you know, Lego bricks of yes. emotion all building up to that point. But it's like the ultimate ultimatum, I will kill myself. And then the response is such a call, my bluff. Yes. It's such a call out of, are you really wanting to do that? Or are, are you actually asking for something else? Yes. And it's such a counterintuitive because most people, when faced with the ultimate, I will kill myself and will um, try to sympathize, yes. try to be soft, try to, you know, uh, run around and accommodate yes. and, and all this. Whereas Ross and Tony, um, two very strong and uh, very experienced, very that they could then follow that up. They didn't just leave people no. exposed <laughs> and hanging. No. But let's take it into a different scenario. Okay. Um, in a relationship, mm -hmm. um, I often work with um, individuals and also couples mm -hmm. where one partner um, is trying to uh, impose their way of being onto the other. Yeah. If you love me, you'll do what I want. If I, you love me, you wouldn't disagree with me. You know, if you love me, you will be my slave, my doormat. And it's an interesting one because so many people that I come across and perhaps the people I come across aren't, aren't the general run of the population, although I suspect it's true of many, is that their wish, their need to be loved and seen and validated means that they are prepared to put up with being treated badly because at least it has the illusion of being in, in a, a relationship. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody earlier this week and they'd been seeing a counsellor who talked to them about the difference between making a compromise yes. and compromising your values. So, so we've used this word before in previous chats, so sacrifice. And yeah. When it becomes like a core goal that you're, you're giving yourself away. And again, it, we've always talked about the devils in the detail. We're not talking about on the occasion not doing something you don't want to do in order to please your partner. Mm -hmm. That's a completely different thing. It's when there is a habitual pattern mm. of having to swallow the things that are important to you and, and that your life is defined by the, the partner who yeah. is insisting that things have to be a particular way in order to prove that, that they are loved. And one of the things that I would say to any individual or to the couple is, 
it's look for an interdependent relationship, not a dependent relationship. Yeah. Look for a relationship where there's a win-win. Mm -hmm. And lots of people are so mm. set on being right and it having to be mm. my way. Yeah. But that says much more about their sense of self-worth and their confidence and so on. Mm. What I would really urge people to be looking for is not your way or my way, mm. but a third way that mm. both of us feel works. Yeah. Um, and that neither of us feel that we've had to give up our sense of self in yes. order to achieve it. Yes, because Kelly Gabrine in The Prophet talks about marriage as, um, you know, the open cedar, I think it is, right. um, if I remember rightly, you know, that they stand separately, but but within, you know, communion mm. with one another. Sort of yes. And, and it's a metaphor for the best way to, to, so. to be in a long-term relationship is, you're both allowed to stand in your own ground with your own roots. Yeah. And, and, and you don't have to become one tree. The relationship becomes stronger yeah. when you each bring your individual parts to it. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it, how ultimatums are used as a power base. They're used in families, they're used in work. And mm -hmm. We were talking earlier, weren't we, about there's a huge difference between a boss making uh, a directive, this is what needs to happen, um, as opposed to creating a, a, an ultimatum, I, this is going to happen because I want to feel that I'm in control. Yeah, I and mean, if it's done just because you want to see how, how somebody reacts or, you know, some kind of proof of fill in the gap, you know, how high did they jump, have I got power over them, you know. Yeah. Are, are they are they my servant in, in this yes. regard? Then it's ridiculous. It's it's a very destructive behaviour to do. If it's done because there is a key commercial imperative or safety imperative or some kind of productivity imperative, and, and but you can say to your team, the, "We need to do this by then, otherwise this happens." And understanding the why, yeah, is incredibly important. Getting yeah. the the boss, the person in authority, to be able to um, get ownership from those people who they are directing, uh -huh. because they too recognise the imperative. Mm -hmm. but not only is that does that mean that things are going to get done quicker and better, mm -hmm. but ultimately the relationship will be stronger. Mm -hmm. When it's do it because I say so and because um, I'm just testing out my, my, my level of authority, mm. that's destructive. Mm. It's destructive in personal relationships, it's destructive in business relationships. And to a large extent, it's international politics. I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> now, of course, there comes a point, if you think about, for example, the Second World War, there comes a point when the moral imperative is that an ultimatum um, is met with uh, equal power and force. Mm. And if you think about when Hitler invaded the, you know, different countries, asked, Poland, asked him to withdraw from Poland, otherwise we'll be at war. Oops, he hasn't. So what do we do now? Do we go, okay then, carry on. <laughs> You're, you are forced to that point where you have to make a decision whether you're going yeah. to let somebody get away with it or not. Yeah. 
So let's take that into families. Because I think while we're talking about ultimatums and boundaries, or rather what I should say, while we're talking about ultimatums, I think we're also talking about that. On the flip side, there is a parent who says, if you do that again, you'll go to bed. If you do that again, you'll go to bed. If you do that again, you'll go to bed. Or can I have some sweets? No. Can I have some sweets? No. And eventually, oh, all right then. So we have the flip side of it, which is where nothing is ever carried out. There are no boundaries. And it's just as destructive. Yeah. So it is about how do you find the middle line, that there are times when it's important to make a stand for the right moral reasons to justify that, and more than justify that, to, for other people to understand why that's important and to share that importance, um, as opposed to, I'm flexing my wings, I want to demonstrate that I'm more powerful than you. Now, just to add to all of this, is that most, uh, I believe that most people in relationships who are doing this are doing this at an unconscious level. Yeah. They're doing it to make themselves feel better. Yeah, and they've probably had it modelled. That's probably how their mum and dad lived their relationships, maybe. And, or, you know, all family members. And, um... and of course, to some extent, or to a large extent, it's successful mm. in that when people do something that you want, it makes you feel good in the moment. Yeah. But if you have poor self-worth, and I think for in, within a relationship, the, the power struggle that comes from ultimatums, frequentship, yeah. is based on, I feel poor about myself. The only way I feel good about myself is if I know I'm absolutely in the right and everybody else isn't when I wield my power and other people comply, yeah. then I feel good. But just like, you know, taking drugs or drinking alcohol, I think the problem is that you end up needing more demonstrations that you have power, yes, that you have work. Work. And yes. so the whole thing grows and escalates. Yes. And, you know, the ante gets raised more and more. And, and certainly, you know, if, if you're that kind of autocratic, giving out ultimatums type of leader in whatever circumstance, yeah. personal or business life, yeah. what you engender is a, a mass of population that you are oppressing. <laughs> you engender um, feelings of frustration and resentment, yeah. dislike, anger, revolution, <laughs> you know. And and those feelings don't tend to just sort of stay stay put. No. Some relationships manage the discontent, like the unhappiness yeah. tends to grow. Yes. As I think that the your deepest soul level. Yes. You you have a sense that this isn't right. Yes. And yeah. that, you know discontent dis ease. Yes then becomes a physical or a mental yes. disease. Yes. Uh, if you're consistently living in, a, in an environment which, where there is a toxic power struggle going mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. then inevitably people will, their sense of well-being at the very least mm -hmm. will deteriorate mm -hmm. and people will be very unhappy. 
And I think it's one of the reasons why so many people are unhappy is that they feel stuck in circumstances or a relationship where the power balance is out of whack. They feel they have no power. Now that may not come because the other person is you know, offering ultimatums. It, that may come from the fact that the, the person themselves has a full sense of self-worth and believes they have no value in and of themselves. Yeah. So it is very complex. And I think you know, it's one of those things where in these chats we attempt to unpick some of the, the big bowl of spaghetti. You know, that we're looking at one strand today, but it's very rarely just one strand. There's always lots of other strands going on. But if we have to be headline about it, and you, if you said to me, do you think ultimatums are good in a relationship? And I had to answer yes, no to that. Yeah. My answer would be... No, I don't think they're... Oh, I've added more words. No, I do not think they're good in relationships. And I would agree with you. I think there is always a different way of uh, uh, approaching this. Mm. I think a lot of, of this could be avoided in relationships if at the start of any relationship, whether that's professional or personal, mm-hmm. that there was um, a sharing of what people's core values were. Because in a professional context, if you understood what the core values were um, and they were out of alignment with your own, the chances are, unless you're desperate, you can take a job. Within a relationship, if your core values are that so so far out of of whack, then it's a relationship that I would suggest is probably best not um, not, um, gone into and invested in in any great form yeah but so often at the start of a relationship the chemicals are going and people are not being wholly honestly themselves yeah and they mistakenly think that this sort of conjoined oak cedar to go back to the coffee is some kind of thing of beauty when in actual fact it's it's a horrific mess well it's against nature isn't it you don't two species of tree don't they don't actually conjoin do they no they are (laughs) they work in sympathy and empathy and uh sympathetically in the sense of that you know that they enhance the environment and they can enhance transpiration and all of those things one with another um, but it, it's a, a complete um, travesty of nature, isn't it, to expect those two to be one. Mm. Now, and can you imagine an oak tree giving a cedar tree an ultimatum? No. <laughs> it's, you know, it's such a brilliant metaphor that he's used there for, for, for marriage. And, and, and how interdependency is a beautiful thing. And I think that when people recognise that interdependency allows you to stand in your power, in your magnificence, mm. but it doesn't detract from the other person. Mm. In fact, it demands the best of both, yeah. rather than, in order for me to feel strong and alive, I have to make you um, my lesser, my less power, less of anything. Mm. And people who truly love one another, it is my belief that people who truly, truly love them mm. want the best for them. 
And the best is having a mind of their own, being able to have independent thought, doing things independently, and then bring back the richness of that within the, um, the relationship. So many people think, I want somebody to rescue me, I want somebody to look after me. Then they get into a relationship and what they find is that the other person who in all honesty has gone into that relationship and the, all of the signs being, you want me to, to look after you, you want you to, to manage you. Well, they found and you then attractive. they control. Yeah, because they found you attractive because what they really want is they want to feed their sense of low self-esteem with the sense of power that they can yeah. control someone. So, so it looks like a good fit. But of course, in reality, what you get is this freak of nature type of... Yes, <laughs> and that's extreme on. language. Oh, I, I think like some people would... You know, but what you get is uh, you get this discord, this yes. dissonance, yes. Um, where at, at some point, and there are people who go through their marriage life or their relationship, where you know if you're happy to be um, in the situation where somebody else is thinking for you and and making your decisions, we're not talking about you. If you're truly happy with that then congratulations to get on with it. But many, many people find that it starts to be uncomfortable and it becomes more and more uncomfortable. Um, And they start to recognise that it's not helpful and want something different. Then the challenge is how do I get out of that relationship? How do I... or, Or change the dynamics of the relationship? And the work that I do with couples is about getting people to recognise first and foremost what's going on, work on individually their self-worth, and then create a shared understanding of what their values are and how they can demonstrate those values are being met one to another. And people can move on from that situation if and only if. Both people are prepared to take ownership for their own behaviours and want to change. So in summary, ultimately, do not make for a happy relationship. No, they don't. And I would say if you're in a situation where you are in a relationship where you feel that the only way you can manage that relationship is to bury your feelings, is is to subdue who you really are, then Perhaps it's time to get some help. Um, perhaps it's time to yeah, to look at doing things differently. But being happy is a state of mind. I believe being happy is a choice. You don't have to be happy about a situation mm-hmm. to actually be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, those of you that are listening, if you haven't taken Seven Day Happiness Challenge, mm-hmm. go to the website genuinely-u.com. That's genuinely-u.com. And you'll find the Happiness Challenge uh, available to you either uh, as a free series or there is a, a book that you can buy that outlines strategies to be happy. Either way, recognising that you know you only have um, this life so far as we know, mm-hmm. it makes sense to make the best of it. Okay. I mean, you know, if you are in a relationship where you feel that that relationship is keeping you playing small, it's time to do something about it. So thanks very much for joining us.
Um, on the website, you'll find both our books. At the point of me is Rachel's first book, and she's just about to publish um, The Truth of Her. I've read it, it's a brilliant book. <laughs> you'll find my books on there, um, and you can get a free digital download of Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways of Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. Um, that's on the website, but also all our books are available on Amazon and all the bookshops. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in the next genuine conversation, the next genuine chat. Take care. Bye-bye now. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.